sometimes. The best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the Back of the Range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 264. Back home from another trip, settling in for the week to catch up, watch the U.S. Open, and then, of course, back out on the road to continue a busy summer of amateur golf coverage. Congrats to Carson Baca on his impressive win at the Dogwood Invitational this past week. This was my first time at the Dogwood. It did not disappoint after the stress and strain of the college postseason, the players were able to light it up at Druid Hills with tons of birdies, eagles, and, well, Carson Baca made a double eagle in the final round on his way to victory. Just another incredible week of amateur golf, and Gus Barchers, the director of golf there at Druid Hills, Ed Klein, the tournament chair, and an army of volunteers and staff made this week just so special. The back of the range will return to the Dogwood in 2023, so thrilled to add another outstanding amateur tournament to the rotation. Can't wait to get back next summer. Before heading home from Atlanta, I had to make a stop in Philly to attend the final day of the Curtis Cup at Marion to see the ladies on the U.S. team and also connect with some pals at the USGA. Many of the women on that team have already been guests on the podcast, like Rachel Heck, Rachel Keene, Rose Zhang, but some of the newcomers to this team that weren't at Conway like Latana Stone, Amari Avery, and introvert Mega Gane will be joining me here in the future, as well as the two-time victorious captain of these teams, Sarah Ingram. Up next for me, the Northeast Amateur at Wanamoiset in Rhode Island, one of the strongest fields of the summer. I've never been to the Northeast Am, so figured, hey, let's go check it out. And as always, make sure you're following on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, lots of new followers on Instagram lately. Appreciate everyone's support of the back of the range as always. And finally, best of luck to all the amateurs and the pros that have been guests here at the back of the range that are teeing it up this week at Brookline at the U.S. Open. So guys like Zalatoris, Stallings, Thorbjornsson, Bennett, Greaser, Vic, Mal, Pyatt, Morikawa, Hovland, Davis Riley, Hagestad, Goderup, Celinda, Mojo Activated guys, and yes, all of those players have been guests here at the back of the range. So go find their episodes. You know where to do it. Go to thebackoftherange.com. Just one more housekeeping item to get to before we hop into this week's episode. My summer travel schedule is about to kick into full gear. I'm home for a few days, but I'm going to be at six different tournaments before heading to New Jersey for the USAM at Ridgewood. So that being said, it's always good to order some merch from the website when I'm actually at home to ship it out to you. So for those of you that do order it when I am out on the road, thanks very much for your patience. I'll try and get those orders out as quickly as possible. And thank you again to everyone that rocks the brand on and off the golf course. It helps get the word out about the back of the range. So as many of you know, I rarely have junior golfers on the podcast. In fact, I typically like to wait until a junior golfer gets a couple years under their belt at the collegiate level before bringing them in for a chat to share their story. The main reason for this is, you know, a young guest just doesn't have as many stories or life experiences to share with the listeners here at the back of the range. But my guest this week at just 15 years old, well, his story is unique and the journey that he has been on over the last several months has been nothing short of remarkable. My guest this week 
is Misha Golod from Ukraine. Back in March of this year, Joel Beal from Golf Digest wrote an article detailing the fact that one of the best junior golfers in the Ukraine was living through unimaginable circumstances with uncertainty surrounding every aspect of his life. While many people read the story, two people sprung into action to provide him with a way out of war-torn Ukraine. Those two people, David Ledbetter and Jim Nugent from Global Golf Post. In a few short days, a plan was put together and Misha arrived in Orlando and is now studying, playing golf, and training at the Ledbetter Academy. We didn't speak about Misha's journey in detail in this episode, so please go check out the links in the show notes of this episode. There's some great articles in there. But we did talk about his time here in the United States, how he is not only acclimating to his new surroundings, but thriving in them. He has already earned his first win in the United States on the Florida Junior Tour and picked up a top 10 in the Terracotta Invitational, the strongest field that he has ever competed against. And next up for Misha, well, it's a busy summer culminating with the Western Junior and also an attempt to qualify for the USAM. So you're going to learn a bit about Misha in this episode. You're also going to realize very quickly just how much knowledge he has amassed in his short time in the game of golf. And I know I've said it, but it bears repeating, he's only 15 years old. So Misha, glad you're here at the back of the range. How are you? Uh, thank you. I'm, I'm doing great. Just uh, getting ready for a tournament. Awesome, man. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a, an exciting summer of junior and amateur golf for you. I know that you're based in Florida right now, but uh, as we were kind of scheduling our chat for this evening earlier today, you said, hey, man, you know, can we do this a little bit later? I'm heading to the beach. I mean, this is typical teenager stuff in the summer. <laughs> you're, at, you're in Charleston, right? You're in Charleston for the, for the Southern Junior. Yeah, I mean, I got to take advantage of the beach when it's up close because in Orlando, we don't really get that. So, um, yeah, just taking some time off, uh, thinking about something else, and then getting my, my mind ready for the tournament. How is, uh, I know that this is, gosh, the, the weather obviously is always a factor in the summer. A lot of times we just, you know, summer tournaments get, get struggle or get struck by mm -hmm. rain. But uh, you got yeah. a good old-fashioned 100-degree human day in Charleston. How, how, how brutal are practice rounds for you? when? Because I mean, practice rounds are long. They're five, six hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. how do you keep your mind straight when it's just so just, I don't want to say miserable, but it's obviously not ideal. Uh, well, I've been to hot weather. It does get pretty hot, um, in, in Ukrainian summers, but it doesn't get as humid. Sure. So for, for example, next week in Illinois, I'll, I'll be totally cool. But, um, this week in Charleston, it is very humid and, uh, it's, it's been, it's been crazy today. And, um, I mean, I think I drank like, 10 bottles of water today <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> gotta stay hydrated gotta stay um well keep the nutrition really good nutrition is going to be very important and um also sort of finding out ways to still keep keep sort of cool even besides the water we're trying to find a way to put like ice in a towel and then put it over my neck there you go so we're we're, we're finding ways but but yeah it's uh, it's all experience you mentioned the Ukraine. We will uh, definitely briefly discuss the chain of circumstances that brought you from the Ukraine to the United States to continue your studies, uh, to continue your studies and your passion for competitive golf. But, you know, as we typically do here at the back of the range uh, for every guest, it's always fun to kind of learn how someone got interested in the game of golf. Tell me a little bit about 
how you first started playing the game, who introduced you to the game um, in Ukraine? Obviously, even even now, um, golf in Ukraine is not very popular, and it's been growing the last couple of years. But when I was starting, I was six, and uh, golf wasn't—I mean, I can't even say it was a, a thing back sure. then. And so, what happened was, my dad, uh, his friend, just brought him over to like a local range just to hit balls, and I mean, sort of think about it as a hobby, like a weekend thing to type to do. And my dad just uh, filmed himself doing it, and then showed me the video. I kind of like the concept. I tried it for myself, and I liked it. So, and for the next few, maybe two or three years, I would occasionally maybe just come down to the range, hit some balls. But something that really changed, uh, I mean, everything for me was uh, when the Ukraine Revolution started. My family had to move to New York, and I lived I lived in Long Island for um, nine months. That year, I was in fourth grade, and I it was and my dad had had to stay back home. It was me, my sister, and uh, my mom, and we all three just barely spoke English. So it was it was very very crazy and tough times. But uh, that's first of all where I learned English, and second of all where I met uh, one of the coaches that shaped uh, sort of well, my swing and my understanding of the game. And he brought love to the game that I have today, and sort of changed everything. Who who was that coach? His name is Kevin Smith. He. Uh, doesn't work there anymore but uh, where i would work with him was montauk downs it's in a very very far end of long island sure and um it's actually a funny story that was like six or seven years ago and we ever since we sort of lost connection we never took his phone number never took his email so we never really spoke and um, i was in new york a couple of years ago for a tournament um, and we decided to just drive to montauk to maybe see him maybe say hi and apparently he already um, retired two years before that. So um, it was crazy how we completely lo- lost track of where he was. And so recently, like a month or two ago, oh, wow. I met a guy that, that knew a guy that knew a guy. And basically <laughs> through, all, for, through all of that, I found his phone number. I reached out and then we, and we talked to We got back to each other. So it was, it was awesome. Well, that's uh, that's golf. Uh, I mean, just everyone, you know, everyone knows someone and just connections through the game can kind of bring you back to the, the instructor that kind of got you started. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, just to put things in perspective of when you're saying how golf really isn't a thing in the Ukraine or it, it's obviously mm-hmm. it's starting to become it. So right now you're at the Ledbetter Academy in Orlando. This is one of the finest facilities for golf instruction in the world. Um the Ukrainian Golf Foundation is was founded in 1997. You know, just a little mm-hmm. twenty, year, just a little over twenty years ago, and um, yeah. eight eight golf courses for in the Ukraine Ukrainian Golf Foundation. There's 25 mm-hmm. in Orlando, with another yeah. 35, like 20 in a 20 mile radius. Um, mm-hmm. you, you must be right now just being able to practice and prepare and play. Mm-hmm. I can't even fathom how you've you know start in ukraine and obviously in new york but you must be thinking like i can't believe i get to practice here i mean all the everything is right there for you like your regimen now must be completely different than how you started well um first of all i have no idea where you got the information about eight courses it's more like three (laughs) well i Uh, I mean hey i i'm looking at i'm i will tell you i pulled i mean ukrainian golf foundation website that is exactly mm -hmm. where i found it so i'm i'm going by that but if you say it's three it's three so basically it's actually 
So like if we're talking good courses, like they they can have tour events, for example. It's actually two. Okay. <laughs> and if you if you if you were just being built right now, and obviously it's everything stopped by the war, sure. but uh, those two courses, one of them was my home club in Kiev. Uh, they're both uh, destroyed by by the war. They're all mined. So I don't think they'll ever be repaired. So it's it's very tough times right now. But answering your question, um, I mean. We have all the courses in Ukraine, and I mean, I have like way more courses here, but it's not like I play all those courses every day, and I'm sure. just here with all these courses. I have my home club in Ukraine, and then I have my home club now in uh, in Champions Get Orlando, and obviously everything about it is different. Sort of the care that uh, the all the teachers and all the coaches at Ledbetter, all the care they give, and all the how they take care of all the students, how they teach everything all the details in the academy it's i mean it's it's nothing i've ever i mean nothing i've ever even seen about or heard about sure. everything is perfectly thought out from start to finish from morning to evening everything whatever we do whatever we engage in whatever we think about it it's perfectly for us to sort of i mean progress in everything that we want to do and um it helps us in all the goals that we could set for ourselves yeah I know another thing that I think everyone like with social media and with Twitter and the internet, I mean, there's a lot of negatives with social media, but I think one of the positives is that you can actually pick up a phone, pick up your computer and, or a tablet or whatever. And in your hands, you have free access to unlimited information. Anything you want to learn, you can just pull it up on YouTube or pull it up on the internet. You can find mm -hmm. information. And for you, it's golf. And I know like, you know, it's one thing to be out on the range and just, you know, beat balls or, or just be on the putting green for hours and hours. But you're, you, I guess part of your start also was just really getting, learning more about the game and watching it on YouTube and the internet. I mean, how, how much, I mean, that was a big start for you as well, wasn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, our family is, is sort of like a sport family because my sister, she plays tennis in college. Sure. So we have like an athlete background and I, I grew up basically watching tennis every day. And then that my sister, she started boarding boarding in U.S. and in, in high school, and then went to college. Um, I started living just with my parents, and uh, from there, our family sort of turned from tennis family to golf family. So obviously, <laughs> I know a whole lot about tennis, uh, but then golf sort of replaced it, and I started learning about golf. I started reading, watching golf, and sort of kind of developed my love to the game. What is like the YouTube clip or the highlight? I know you're, I know you're, you are an encyclopedia of golf knowledge and we will get to that <laughs> later. But I mean, what is probably the YouTube clip that you've watched the most? I mean, is it, is it a lot of tiger highlights? I know you wear red. I know that's a, an homage to tiger a little bit. So, I mean, what, what are you guilt? What's like your guilty pleasure when you just want to zone out on YouTube and watch golf highlights? Like what's your guilty pleasure? That's a good question. I haven't really paid attention to the videos that I watched the most, but like, for example, Tiger, um, I didn't really, I wasn't even born, we can say in his prime, right? sure. his prime was 2002, maybe 2007. So, so I wasn't really, well, I was born, but I didn't really follow it at that time. So sure. um, I didn't really understand how unbelievable a player he was like other people did. Right. So I would that I mean Rory for example is somebody that I follow pretty much every tournament he plays so to answer your question I'd say uh, Rory any, any highlights of him like for example the video when he shot 61 at RBC in 2019 yeah that's the video when he won 
the PGA in 2014 in Valhalla, the way he sort of made a comeback uh, and basically won in the darts. So I caught a lot of these videos, a lot of historic moments from different tournaments, um, are some of the things that I would watch. So you're here in the States. Do you find that the 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 guys that you're playing golf with uh, at the academy, do you think that they're sharing maybe the same passion for the game and, and do they care as much about the history of the game as you do? I mean, was it a moment kind of like, oh my gosh, I've, I've kind of found my tribe. I found my, my clique of, of people that are just as fanatical about the game as I am. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say as fanatic as I am, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but certainly I've met a lot of you, maybe not kids, but certainly like a lot of the coaches at the Academy, obviously David, um, that know a whole lot about the game. They also, I have, I have a lot of fun talking with them about it. Sure. So, um, so yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, I've gotten, I've literally, I went from a place that barely has any golfers to a place that has all golfers. Right, right. Florida is like everybody plays golf in Florida. So, yeah, it's, it's been fun. Now, I spoke with one of your uh, former instructors, Kenny Leach, local guy down here in South yeah. Florida at the Don Law Golf Academy, and, and actually just to to make me feel older than uh, I already am. You know, when you get a 15 year old on your podcast, you feel old pretty quick, but Kenny and I used to play uh, Florida state golf association events together. And one of the things he mm -hmm. told me about you is that, you know, he doesn't think he's ever met anyone that loves the game as much as you do. Now, some people love competition and golf is just kind of their vehicle to get them into a, uh, into the mix of competition. You know, some play the mm -hmm. game to make a living, Obviously, that's not the case for you, uh, you know, at, at 15. But he said that you are just absolutely obsessed with the game. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, that's that's more than a, than a fair statement for sure. I mean, do you have yeah. to try and figure out a way to get your mind off of golf? Or have you just given up and you're just all <laughs> golf all the time? It's it's hard. I mean, I mean, every every time my sister, for example, she comes over to to visit me and my parents it's uh she gets mad sometimes because all we talk about is golf so, so and, yeah. and it sounds like it's not just it's it's not just your game it's just golf in general like yeah did you yeah. see who won the corn Ferry tour event or what do you think of this <laughs> um yeah all right so yeah. then hey we're talking golf i haven't asked this question yet in the podcast I mean, it's the it's the flavor of the of the the month right now. It's the topic in the game. Uh, let's we're we're talking like on the eve of the U.S. Open, but let's talk a little bit about live golf. Uh, what is, what are mm -hmm. your what are your you're an expert in the game? What do you think about live? Um, I mean, I've heard a lot of opinions from uh, people that I trust, and I know that also know a lot about the game. And my opinion is so sort of um, already developed. I know that live golf is a, is an opportunity for some players and, and not an opportunity for other players. Like, uh, in my opinion, um, some of the players that have already played for many, many years <clears throat> on the PGAs who were already earned their money already are not, I mean, are not in content for, for, for a Ryder Cup team, for a major, right. for more PGA Tour events that sort of, I would say, are done on the PGA Tour. Uh, for them, it's an awesome opportunity to go out, play less, earn more. It's 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 awesome for them. But in my opinion, um, young guys like just the kids that basically just turned pro, for them to give up on all they ever ever dreamt about. Because I mean, a lot of the kids nowadays, every time they put in the putting green, is to win a PGA Tour event, or win a US Open, or win a Masters, and they grow up imagining how one day they get out 
and they start winning tournaments, start making their legacy. And then for these kids now, it's all sort of just, I mean, you can throw it out in the trash can uh, now that they're just offered millions of dollars to play on the lift tour. So yeah. for, for the younger guys, I don't see why I, I really don't. Well, that's kind of, that's kind of a, a very popular opinion. It's definitely, uh, I'm, I'm kind of in, in your, uh, in your camp on that. I, I totally see the older guys, like you said, that, that, you know, maybe their, the future is, uh, it isn't as bright as it used to be. And then, yeah, just the, the younger guys, I, I kind of am right with you. Like I would sit tight mm-hmm. and not jump into that quite yet and let's see how it plays out for the next year or so. Yeah. Like for example, the amateurs, uh, there were three amateurs playing. I don't know how true it is. I've heard that they have been also offered some money, maybe in NIL deals because they can't uh, be like, they can't be paid directly. Sure. Um, but I mean, for them, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome for them because they're amateurs. They, they won't really, it won't really affect the way, uh, their PGA tour status because they don't have it yet, and um, I mean I'm thinking for them it's it's great it's expenses it's traveling to tournaments it's everything, yeah. but for guys that just turn pro I know a couple of them it's 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 basically just giving up all they ever tried to do on the PGA tour and just getting a paycheck. Yeah, no, you're you're I'm kind of right I'm right there with you, man. I I kind of just mm-hmm. I look at it and I'm thinking. Uh, I I I yeah, I'd rather just kind of sit and just wait. I think I don't know. And I guess that's hard to say when you when you're not in that in that boat, but um but yeah, it's going to time will tell. Time will tell. And then US Open this week, who do you I mean, who do you like? To, I mean, give me give me a couple guys. I mean, obviously it sounds like Rory's got to be right up there with one of your favorite players, but uh you know, what what Well, you... yeah, obviously, I mean, obviously Rory. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah Rory for me it is gonna be a little more pressure for him now that um he just won in Canada yeah he knows how to deal with that pressure but it's I mean he's the number one favorite this week so um I don't know how I mean I'm pretty sure he's gonna he's gonna be able to sort of deal with that pressure but we'll see what'll happen but he's yeah he's my number one pick otherwise um JT's feeling great he might give it a run for two majors in a row um I mean Oh, I know. I know. I mean, I think at that <laughs> uh, point, unfortunately, U.S. Open, it's such, it's such an equalizer. Uh, I think the course yeah. is going to be difficult for everyone. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much Brookline really plays into strengths because uh, I've seen that it's pretty long. I've seen like a course flyover and I've seen it as being really long. What is it, like 7,600 or something? I think. I mean, it's got to be in that mm-hmm. neighborhood, but they all hit it a mile. And I just, I don't know. I think. Yeah. Whoever makes the putts and keeps it out of the rough is probably going to do pretty darn good. Yeah, it's going to be short game putting is going to be very, very big. But in my opinion, um, it's it's tough. Like, cause a lot of the youth open courses are different. Like, wing foot is different for Pebble Beach. Even 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 though like USGA tries to make the rough the same, tries to make the green the same, but still, wing foot is is definitely different. Cause for example, on a course like Pebble Beach. Um, some of the rough is not as heavy as you would find on other courses. You you don't you don't have that much fescue as like at at Shinnecock Hills or Aaron Hills. So on some courses you would rather hit a 350 and be in the rough, and some courses you would rather hit a 290 and be in the center of the fairway. So yeah, we'll see how it'll play out. But before the tournament, my pick is Rory. There you go. Well, this year it's mm-hmm. actually a little bit shorter than we thought. It's about 7,200 yards, but it's a par 70. 72. But it's plus yeah. seventy, so it's gonna play super long. 
So yeah, yeah. Um, man, I'll tell you what. I don't even know what I'm doing here because you could just run this podcast. My I can just go go in the other room, have a sandwich and a drink, and you can run this for everyone. I don't even know why I'm here. But um, but we'll 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 focus a little bit more on your game and your story. So as recent as early March of this year, you know, we spoke about the power of the internet. We spoke about about the turmoil in Ukraine, you know, an article was written by Joel Beal at Golf Digest, really shining a light on the fact that really one of the best junior golfers in the country of Ukraine was living in under very dire circumstances with a lot of unknowns. And then through a set of, uh, of events culminating in, culminating in a once in a lifetime opportunity for you, you know, not just to create some distance between you and this, this devastation, but also for you to advance your career uh, your golf yeah. career in the best possible way, you know, and you know, this really started through obviously David Ledbetter, uh, Jim Nugent with global golf post. Um, we're not going to rehash the entire story. I'm going to put links to the, sh- put links in the show notes of this episode for the listeners to go look, look, read these stories. They're excellently uh, told, but, but as I just said, a lot of these things were put in motion unbeknownst to you did you just randomly get a call or an email from David Ledbetter saying, hey, I think we can make this happen where you can come and train at my academy in Florida. I'm just interested <laughs> to learn, like just from you, as a 15-year-old, you get an email from David Ledbetter? And and you're not just any 15-year-old. Like, I mean, people that are listening right now, they realize, oh my gosh, this kid knows golf really well. So you know who David Ledbetter is. So yeah. you get this email. Uh, how does that go down? Uh, it's been pretty crazy. <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, yeah, obviously, obviously, I knew David Ledbetter is the greatest golf coach that has ever lived, and uh, it was it was it was kind of random. Obviously, I wasn't expecting anything. It was uh, a couple right. days, maybe like a week after the article was released, and I've been getting a lot of messages from different players. I've been getting messages from PGA Tour players. I've even gotten a message from uh, from Rick Beam. Uh, PGA champion. So yeah, Rich Bain, 2002. Sure. Yeah. So it was, it, it was really cool. And then uh, on one of the days I was just, I mean, wasn't really something special uh, that I was doing. And I was just opening my phone. I see an email from David Ledbetter. So I, I read into it and it's uh, him just reaching out sort of in a, not like a serious sort of um, discussion, just basically like a friend discussion. Yeah. He's just, Hey, how are you doing? Um, I read your story. I'd love for you to come down to uh, Champions Gate to my academy. I'd be a part of it. Maybe we can provide accommodation, training, practice facility, anything really. And um, I mean, it was it was pretty crazy. And right away, I talked to my dad. Uh, I don't know if he knew exactly who David Ledbetter was because right. he doesn't follow golf as much as I do. Uh, but I just explained who who exactly that is, right? And how how special it is for him to reach out and. Uh, and we sort of made that decision really quickly to just pack our bags and try to take a chance and get out of the country. So, you know, the things are put in motion. You have this long travel to, to the United States and you meet David. And, you know, the other thing that I don't know if people understand, but, you know, I know you're going to continue your high school education here in the States and you have hopes, hopes and dreams to play college golf here in the United States. But you also, I guess, am I correct? You had to finish your schooling because you're in the middle of a school season weren't you yeah so so yeah, what was your daily schedule of classes because i mean what what's been like the typical day for you for the last like i don't know like three months i guess 
Mm-hmm. Uh, well, ever since the war started, obviously my my school has been a little easier on on all the kids. Obviously, because everybody is is all around the place. People don't really know what's happening. So it wasn't like you have to return your assignments every, today they were released or you have to uh, strictly do everything by due dates or get sure. the grades. So it's it's been way easier on everybody. And then um, that I went to US, I, I um, just wrote a little quick email to all my teachers that it's going to be very tough for me to attend class because it's a seven-hour time difference between Florida and Ukraine. Right. And uh, all my classes are basically in the middle of the night. And so what what happened the first maybe two weeks or so, I would wake up at 2 a.m. every single night. Oh, my God. And I would, I would, I would attend the classes from 2 to, like, 7. So I would be there every every class, still trying to turn on assignment, turn in assignments. But then at one point, I, I, I just saw the way I was uh, sort of the way I was acting the, the rest of the day. And I understood that it wasn't it wasn't working for me. And if I want to play, I want to play good golf, I want to play tournament golf, it's not going to work. So I, I talked to all my teachers and we decided to sort of figure something out, maybe meet at a different time. And thankfully, a lot of the teachers were already in U.S., because uh, they they were evacuated by their embassy a couple couple months ago, sure. so um, it was it wasn't too hard of um it wasn't too hard to meet at a at a much better time. Yeah. So yeah, you know. that's uh that's crazy. Just getting up at two a.m. just to try and keep your grades and and keep you know somewhat of a consistency with your education. Because I know <laughs> we've spoken that you're not just here for golf. You're here to get an education and take advantage of of that opportunity as well. What has been maybe something. You know, going into the into the Ledbetter Academy, I mean, it, this could be an intimidating environment for any kid, let alone someone coming in from a different country, whether it's cultural changes or language barriers for some. I mean, I guess you were obviously, you could only dream what, what the facilities would be like, but what's maybe surprised you about the academy, just the day in and day out life with other other students, other, other golfers? What's been kind of a pleasant surprise uh, for your time so far at, uh, at the academy? I've definitely seen a couple of good players in the range, which was pretty cool. <laughs> I, I I saw Hideki last weekend just just strolling the golf course that's with his a, caddy. That's awesome. Which was pretty cool. So I'm in Wuli. I met a lot of the players. Um, actually, Matthias Schwab, a PGA Tour player. Yeah, yeah. He, he also practices on the range, and we um, and I talked to him. We met, and we uh, just grabbed some pizza a couple couple weeks ago. We played a round of golf a couple weeks ago. So. It's it's been great because a lot of the players, a lot of a lot of PGA Tour players live in Florida, and so I knew that um, they're somewhere around. So it was really cool meeting a couple of them and maybe learning something from them just by playing with them. So yeah, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about just the the culture in that academy where I guess their goal is to make sure every single one, uh, every student has the opportunity to to succeed. Yeah, that's that, that's a big thing of uh, how the whole academy is built and how it, how it operates. And um, just because, I mean, obviously David Ledbetter, he has so much experience in how things should be done in junior golf and in amateur golf and in professional golf. Uh, he knows exactly how um, all the coaches should treat the players, how they should communicate with the players. And every single student in the academy is equal. That's the main, that's the main rule. For all the coaches, and the academy is pretty small, um, at, at Champions Gate at least. Uh, the whole academy is 24 kids. 
Oh wow! And it's 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 um, twenty four kids, five coaches, so groups of five, and uh, every every single student in each group gets uh, the same amount of attention. And just because the groups are so small and the whole academy is so small, uh, every kid gets a lot of attention in every part of the game. And I'm talking range, putting, short game, uh, wedge range, uh, nutrition, psychology, fitness, everything really. And um, it's it's been great sort of going from pretty much individual work, individual practice for what I was doing in, in Ukraine to this whole big family of uh, junior players here. In what area have you seen the biggest improvement in your game? Would you say fitness, nutrition? What are you maybe learning the most being there in, in a group environment as opposed to just being on your own? Well, I mean, in this three in three months, I can see improvement in every area. Okay. Literally every area of my game, I see improvement. So swing, I've been working with David a lot. So um, I've been, I mean, my swing is, is way better than when I came down and I'm, I'm starting to be way more comfortable with it. Um, putting, I mean, I'm, I'm such a better putter, like than I, than I was a year ago, let's say the way I've improved with putting short game, everything really. So fitness, we have a, a really good fitness program. Nutrition has been a, a big thing for me in the past because I never really paid attention to it. And now I get how important it is, for example, cause um in a heat like south carolina in june when it's 100 degrees and you eat a little too much sugar then you might just fall unconscious in the middle of the round so (laughs) it's 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 very very big what's so crazy is just like to just to briefly like review the timeline i mean you're you're here i guess you come here maybe the middle of march and then you know you get into the terracotta that's where i met you for the first time and that was really at the end of april really just six weeks in i think that was what like your second tournament i think you played one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that like was your... that was second tournament and you have a top 10 in at the terracotta which if you go by wagger i mean i know we can't go by wagger for everything but if you look at the power rankings of the tournaments you've played in the last year or two i mean this is probably one of the strongest fields you you've played in um and that, that was probably the singles the yeah singles from player. and yeah. and top 10 which is absolutely incredible considering the 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 six weeks uh you know prior you weren't even in the country um and you just also picked up your first one you picked up a win at uh fjt florida junior tour so mm-hmm. your game is 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 elevated in a, in a quick amount of time um, yeah. how, how do you set expectations for, I mean, like a terracotta or, you know, the Southern junior, or also you're, you're I mean, next week you're going to be at the Western junior, which is the oldest national junior tournament in the United States. How have you yeah. kind of had to reexamine how to set expectations for these tournaments? As for, for example, as for the FJT, let's say a couple of weeks ago that I, it was my last 13, 15 event in my life. Sure. And I will not be playing anymore, even though I turned 16 in September. But uh, and obviously, I was coming in as a 15-year-old, maybe one of the oldest players in the field. And um, I knew that I'm going to have a really good chance of winning. Plus, that it's literally and on my home course, even though it's not been my my home course for too long. But um, it's at Champions Gate, where I practice every day. And my expectation was very high for that event, because I knew that I could perform well. But I was sticking to only two things, be committed to every every single shot and be confident. And that's sort of the mindset that I want to have for any event, whether it's a 13-15 event on my home course or whether it's the U.S. Amateur. So 
it's 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 something that I will definitely carry carry forward for all my, for all my events now that I know that it works um and now that I got my first win in US and uh even I mean I got my first win at a, at a FJT event that doesn't mean that I can't go out and win a much bigger event so yeah. it's it's almost like I have to have the same mindset every week that I play and I shouldn't really think oh well FJT is easy I can just win that and then next week I go into Southern and I'm like, oh, this this field is hard. I'm not I'm not gonna even make the cut. So I have to have the mindset that I'm gonna go out, play my best golf, be committed, be confident, and not really get too 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 ahead of myself. Well, you have a, a great summer ahead of you. I mean, obviously you have, like I said, you, you're Southern Junior right now in Charleston, and and then you head up to Neighborville in Illinois for the Western Junior, and the, and again, this is a tournament where I mean. Morikawa has won this event. Uh, you know, t- uh, Ricky has won this event. Uh, mm-hmm. Tiger. I mean, everyone uh, has gone through the Western Junior to play in that. And I- I'm guessing also getting not just getting acclimated to um, you know new surroundings at Ledbetter, but also like you said, I mean, I know you're taking it one shot at a time and trying to just play your own game, but still getting to play a Western Junior, getting to play Terracotta Southern. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing. You're going to be going through USAM qualifying this year. These opportunities, mm-hmm. uh, this is just incredible. And also, it's not like, and I don't, and I hope you understand why I'm saying this. You 100% deserve to be in these tournaments. I mean, if you look at what you've done in in, in Ukraine and other other uh, tournaments, I mean, you're, I mean, gosh, your wagger ranking is six seven hundred, which is incredible. I mean, you deserve to be in these fields. Obviously, it's it's it's, it's great to get the opportunity to play in these events. Uh, but I, my goal is to get into these events, no matter, I mean, f- terracotta, for example, I, I know it's, it's a really big event and it's, t- it's, it's hard to get in and no matter whether I, I get into that tournament because I qualify for next year or I get an invitation this year, um, it's all great experience for me. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously very thankful for everyone that contributed to me playing there, but no matter how I get in, it's, it's going to be the same tournament, no matter yeah. what. Yeah, once you're in, it's just you know everyone puts a puts a ball on the ground and and it's you're you know just based on the scorecard, just see how you do. Um, well, I know you, uh, <laughs> I know you probably have to drink some more water uh, to to get ready for tomorrow, but um, we've spoken about your your knowledge of the game even before we 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 uh, you know we we've discussed this that you're an encyclopedia and course anyone that says they have this knowledge i have to put together some sort of a quiz i mean i have to have a little bit of fun with this so um so i got i you you said anything after 2000 you have a a very strong knowledge of the majors and who won so yeah i so i got i got 10 for you and Mm -hmm. they are they are we're i'm playing by the rules here it's after 2000 and it's a major so i'm gonna throw the major out and you, uh, you tell me if you can uh, can get the winner, and let's see how you do with ten questions. So, uh, right. we'll start off easy. Twenty fourteen Open Championship. Twenty fourteen Open Championship. That was Royal Royal Liverpool. Okay, that's that's one. Uh, Two thousand nine PGA Championship. Um, that was two thousand nine PGA. That was the one that won Tiger at second. He was he was beaten by. Uh, Yang Yong Eun. I think that was his name. Yeah, Y E Yang. All right, you're two for two. Uh, 2015 PGA. Uh, 2015 and 2014. 15. Uh, 2015 PGA. 
that was Jason Day at Whistling Straits. That, that's when he said the major championship scoring record at 20 under. Okay, that's three for three. 2004 Masters. 2004 Masters. Uh, that was Phil. Okay. First Masters one. 2008 Masters. Uh, that was Trevor Immelman. 2011 Masters. Charles Schwartzel. Tennis birdie, 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 birdie. 2000, this is embarrassing. 2012 U.S. Open. That was Webb Simpson at Olympic. 2008 U.S. Open. That was Tiger at Torrey. All right. I got to give you one more. This is a tough one. I'm cheating. 1988 U.S. Open. That was Curtis Strange for his back-to-back win. All right. How about 2022 Western Junior? <laughs> Hopefully Misha Golan. <laughs> Good answer. Oh, my God. 10 for 10. That's you, that's fr- All right. You're going to listen. If the whole golf thing doesn't pan out, golf podcast, I need you to be my co-host. I need, we need to work this, need to work out a deal here. So um, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I got a little lucky with the 1988 because if you ask 1989, I would not answer it. Well, I just know that Curtis Strange won in, in uh, 88 and 87. Actually, Sonic. actually, sorry, but 87 was Scott Simpson. 89 was actually Curtis Strange. That's the, That was the oh. second leg of back-to-back. Oh, all right. That's well, at o- least 88 you did win. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, it was only like 13 <laughs> years or so before you are probably 20 years before you were born. It's okay. Yeah. Um, well, this was fun. Um very impressive on the quiz. Uh, I'm probably going to need to send you a hat or something. For I mean, we don't have any prizes here, but I guess now we do. So we're going to send you a hat. But, um, you know, congrats on all your success. And, you know, it's a great story. And I wish you nothing but the best this summer. And hopefully, by the way, top three uh, finishers and ties at the Western Junior get exemptions into the Western Amateur. So really, yes, sir. So hope oh. hope to see you at the Western Amateur, and good luck mm-hmm. the rest of the way. And I appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. That's awesome. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me. And there you have it. Special thanks to Misha Golod for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. All the best to him this summer and the rest of his journey at the Ledbetter Academy. Don't forget follow along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Every single episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. That's where you can find your merch. And we'll see you again next time here at the Back of the Range.